Part 1. The Story of Man, the Lost Sons of His Glory. Scripture reading. Luke 19 verse 10. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. John 1 verse 12. But as many as received him, he empowered, reinstating them by the authority obtained by his blood sacrifice, so they may be restored as the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name as the Messiah. Origin Study Helps Keynote You are a marvel of God, whom the world is waiting for to be revealed. In the Father's house, Luke 15, verse 11, who Adam was. Our story with mankind begins in Eden, in the presence of God, the place of eternal goodness, security, protection, and prosperity. The same place where it began for the prodigal son. He too was seated at his father's table, living in the abundance and under the protection of his father's house. Before, <clears throat> before he became a prodigal son. It was also the place where Adam dwelt in the midst of a garden filled with God's glory and all that God had envisioned for his destiny before he fell. As you will come to learn and see, we too shared that very same destiny with Adam. We were destined to dwell in that very same blessed state of existence, living in God's perfect dream for our lives. As we begin our journey, we have to firstly come to understand that mankind was the reason for all that was created by God. God created everything that He created on earth for one reason only, and that reason was for creation to be subject to serve man. When God created a place called Eden, or Eden in the Hebrew language, meaning place of delight, he created a paradise for man. He created a place of delight for Adam and a place to delight himself in Adam. The story of mankind and of our origin as a species created by God is recorded in Genesis. What makes Genesis such a special book is the fact that the book was written by Moses. And what makes it interesting is that it tells the story of the beginning, just as he received it from the mouth of Jehovah himself on the mountain where he visited God for 80 days. This was no second-hand report. God shared the story with him in detail, so we all might come to know why and how he truly intended for us to live. When we understand Genesis from the perspective of the Holy Spirit sharing the story, beginning from the place of our predestination, 
our creation, formation, and finally our falling away from God's glory. The entire journey of God with man becomes vividly clear. Let me just take a moment there and just speak a little bit more on this with you. You see, what we many times don't realize when we read Genesis is that it is the book that Moses wrote because of his visitation with God on the mountain. Moses recorded Genesis directly from the mouth of God. So when we read Genesis as an account, we are actually listening to God telling the story to Moses and telling that story to Moses to share with us so that we will understand how things were right at the beginning. What lived within the heart of God, who God is, who we are, and why and how He created us and created all things to function together. And this is a very powerful thing to understand. And it gives such relevance to the book of Genesis, knowing that it is a record. It's not some story recorded by somebody. It was received directly from God by Moses and recorded for us to be able to hear and understand from the mouth of God who we are, who He is, and how things were created to be before the fall, what happened after the fall, and for us then to be able to connect the dots as everything unfolds, the whole story unfolds of God's journey in restoring us back through Jesus. And then we start understanding salvation as something far more powerful than merely being saved from some eternal destruction. We understand it as being redeemed back to our origin. We understand why Jesus really came and that God all along had this plan of bringing us back to where we ought to be and who we ought to be. All right, let us carry on. We begin finding perspective as to why the law was given and what its purpose was. And we also begin to understand why Jesus was the replacement or the one who would bring a fulfillment or an end to the need for the law to be followed. We begin to understand why the Holy Spirit came and who we are as born-again sons of God. And what you're about to see is that the law was given to replace the presence of God in man. Before man fell away from the glory of God, he had no need of a law. He didn't need anybody to instruct him. Why? Because the Spirit of God was in man. But now a separation had come between God's Spirit and man, And God needed to fill the void to be able to give man some kind of a guiding light until the day that through Jesus Christ, His Spirit would again become the light inside of us. For that lapse in time, God had to form or give something to man that would at least be able to guide him externally on his journey so that he would understand 
what he couldn't understand inside of him, that he would be able to understand it in the law of God. And at least adhere to that, to understand in some way what God expected of him, what he was created to be and how he was created to function. As Moses recorded all of these things, God told him all about Adam. He told Moses how he had formed man with his own hands and how he had breathed his spirit into man. He told him what Adam was like before the fall and how he fashioned him after himself. How he formed Adam to be just as he himself was, made to be his exact representation on earth, and most of all, how his glory dwelt in Adam. He was just as God was, in God's likeness and image of glory. God wanted himself to be seen in Adam, formed to be the splitting image of his glory, and for Adam and Eve to reproduce and populate the whole earth with sons of his glory. Sons here is used to speak of offspring, which is both male and female. It is God's language in which he chooses to speak. As he heard how Adam had lived in perfect harmony and union with God, reasoning as God reasoned, thinking as God thought, and acting as God acted, Moses felt a deep desire rising on the inside of himself to know what Adam had known. He realized that what he realized what had been lost. Here he stood in the marvel of God's glory on the mountain, surrounded by a misty cloud and a supernatural fire of glory. But being unable to experience what Adam knew, he was in the glory, but once the glory was in Adam. Now just to recap this, You see, as Moses listened to what God was telling him about Adam and about the formation and the creation of man and how God had created man really as duplicating himself in man to be his mirror of glory in the earth, to be the expression of who he is in the earth. And as God's vision was, that the whole earth would be filled with sons of his glory. Now, you remember that Isaiah prophesied this. He says there will be a time when all of the earth will be filled with the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And this is the very vision and the heart of God that is expressing that the Lord was actually saying that my vision hasn't died and my plan is not dead But as I predestined Adam to bring forth sons of glory that would fill all the earth, so I still carry the same vision and the same promise that a time will come when my glory will fill the earth as the waters cover the sea because of sons of glory that will be 
born out of my spirit that will cover the face of the earth and in them my glory will be witnessed all over the earth. It will cover creation. Hallelujah. Now as he heard about this wonderful creation called Adam, mankind, and he realized that Adam had experienced something that he himself had never come to experience, that he knew nothing of, that although he was standing in the midst of the glory cloud of God on the mountain, and standing in the midst of the supernatural fire surrounding the mountain, yet he did not know or experience what Adam experienced, because although standing in the glory Adam knew what it was like to have the glory in him. And Moses, standing there, realizes that there is something beyond the experience, the external knowledge of God's glory. But there is an inner experience that he lacked at that moment. And he realized what Adam had lost not only for himself, but also for Moses. He realized what, what, what had been lost for mankind. He, here he stood, here he stood in the marvel of God's glory on the mountain, surrounded by a misty cloud and a supernatural fire of glory, but being unable to experience what Adam knew. He was in the glory, but once the glory was in Adam. Show me your glory. As God kept unfolding the story, he could no longer contain himself. He desired to have more than merely standing in God's glory. He wanted to experience what it meant to part sake or to be a living part of God's glory. Moses pleaded, O Jehovah, show me your glory. Allow me for one moment to experience true union with your spirit the way that you intended it to be. God showed Moses mercy in allowing him to experience externally what it would be like to live in the glory in the inner man or when the glory lived in the inner man. He couldn't give Moses what he asked because, because of sin. He couldn't give Moses what he asked because sin was so... He could not give Moses what he had asked because sin still separated them. But God allowed him to experience externally as but God gave him an experience that was as close as he would be able to come to knowing what it would feel like when the glory dwelt in him. This one small foretaste or glimpse of glory would cause Moses to shine like the sun in all of its brightness. Moses now knew and understood 
God's program with mankind. Man needed to be redeemed back to his original position of sharing God's glory in being filled with his glory. When Moses left the mountain with the law, he understood that everything that God would do from that moment going forward, including the giving of the law, would be done for the sole purpose of leading man on a journey towards being restored in his glory. The law would now come to serve as man's temporary guiding light until the person and the presence and the Spirit of God would be restored to be the light in men. Principle. Adam was created to shine with God's glory. We, created as God's children, were planned by God as Adam's offspring to be multiplied as the mirrors reflecting his glory. Adam may have caused us to fall from God's glory, but Christ caught us just in time to recapture us in his glory. In Adam, we were lost for a season, but God's plan for us to be full of his glory was never lost and remains eternally. He planned you to live full of his glory. Jesus was sent to come and undo what Adam did. God's foolishness is wiser than the wisdom of men. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 25 God was wiser than to leave our destiny and His plans for us in Adam's hands. Before He placed us in Adam's seed, the Holy Spirit tells us that He placed Adam in Christ so that all of Adam's seed would be in Christ and that he would be able to step in and rescue us through Christ if Adam failed to produce us the way God intended him to do. Jesus, the Christ, came as a result of Adam's fall. He came so we may be born again a second time to have the true life God intended for us to have the first time around, before Adam messed things up. In Adam, God's plan was compromised, failing to produce his vision and his purpose with man. But his vision never failed. His predestined world never failed. And most importantly, his sons or his offspring that were destined to be born through the lineage of Adam, also would not fail. What failed was the plan. But God in his wisdom never depended on Adam's success or failure to secure his plans. The very principle of predestination means that everything was preconceived before it ever came to be. God had finished everything before he began making anything. Principle. 
Before the earth and all that was ever created came into being, it was already made and completed in Him. He predestined creation. That means that He prepared all things before He made them. He did not experiment with anything. When it was perfectly prepared and made, He took it, set a time for its arrival, and placed it into His future plans. So you were finished long before you were made. You were formed before you were born, perfected in your design for your arrival to complete your purpose. You arrived as a complete package wrapped up in a natural body to be opened as God's gift of love on earth. The pre in predestination The pre is the process of God planning and establishing everything before it arrived in its actual destination. The pre is the process of God planning and establishing everything before it arrived at its actual destination. Before he said, Let there be, everything already was. The let there be was simply establishing or physically giving manifested life to what already existed in Him. This is a very important principle. It tells us that God creates before He speaks. He does not speak what He is about to say that has not already been completed. This should tell you that whenever God speaks to you about anything, He is telling you about what already is, not what may possibly be. He never speaks without having already resolved and finalize to perfection what he's about to say. So what he tells you already has been established. You do not have to wonder if it will come. Colossians 1 verse 16 to 20. He, Christ, existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything. 
For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This is the principle of predestination where Adam and all of creation and everything that God ever dreamed to be and had completed within himself before creating anything, he planned and predestined and placed all of that within Christ so that in all events and in any event he may be able to redeem back to himself what lived in Christ through Christ. He is the beginning, the supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is the first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on, and on earth and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So God's amazing dream and plan for you and I to be born as sons of the Spirit, to reign and to govern in the earth and to establish and to establish his kingdom on earth was never lost or compromised. It is alive in Christ. And whoever would receive him, to them he gives the power and the reinstated authority to become and to be restored as sons of God. This is good news, is it not? Reference Luke 4 verse 18, reminding us of why Jesus truly came. Principle, what was, still is, and also will be. Who God dreamed us as and how he created us to live will never change. Like the prodigal son who was deceived to leave the abundance and the safety and the blessing of his father's table, lured into pursuing a different journey than what his father had predestined, or that he lured into, lured into pursuing, lured into pursuing a different journey and finding his place waiting for him on his return to be welcomed back by his father with a compassionate kiss. So God's plans for us has never changed. He too eagerly waits on us to come home so we may be restored to share the bountifulness of his love, the compassion of his grace and the, about, and the abundance of his blessings in the dream he dreamed for us. So God's plans for us has never changed. He too eagerly waits on us to come home so we may be restored to share the bountifulness of His love, the compassion of His grace and the abundance of His blessings in the dream He dreamed for us. This dream has no expiry date and no end. It patiently waits on us. True salvation 
is being restored to what God knows about you and who he originally dreamed you to be. Most people do not realize that they are predestined or that they pre-existed life here on earth. Their lives to them begins the day that they are born. They are confined to the realm of touch, feel and sense. They do not realize that they were long before they ever came to be. End of part one. Questionnaire. Who? End of chapter. End of this chapter. Questionnaire. Who wrote the book of Genesis and where did he obtain the information from? Number two. Explain predestination. Number three. What was Adam like? Number four. What was the glory of God that Moses wanted to see? Number five. What was God's creation purpose with man? Number six. How did God secure his plan for you and me? Number seven. Why did God give man the law and the prophets? This concludes this portion of Module 1. In our next chapter, we will discuss the deceiver.